What is going on, everybody? Thank you guys for joining us here at VCast. Uh, this month, we're doing a special series on love. And we understand from the Bible that God is love and that he showed and demonstrated love through Jesus and that he requires us to love. But what does it really mean to love like Jesus loved? Find out today on our podcast. Enjoy. But um, kind of the goal and the vision behind creating this was just to create an opportunity for people to go deeper in the word, um, to help shape worldviews. Um, the reality is that um, our, our job, our goal here on this podcast is just kind of help uh, people go deeper into the word of God. And it's a great way to do this is a great way to do that because, you know, um, just there are times where you have to drive and you have to go somewhere and it's like, yo, I've, I got a nice 20 minute drive ahead of me. And a lot of times we just listen to music. But, you know, during that time, we're stuck in a car and there's nothing we can really do about it. So why not listen to uh, the word of God uh, being spoken about? And so, um, yeah, that's that's kind of what we do. And we're going to hopefully do some Q&Rs and some other stuff. So it's going to be really cool. I mean, I listen to podcasts. Jacob, do you listen to any podcasts? And Yeah, I, I've listened to um, a couple, um, most like either like YouTubers that I like or other um, Christian podcasts that I come across with other theologians that I also like. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I've been a, I've been a podcast listener just recently though. It wasn't something that I've always done, but something yeah. that I started getting into. Yeah. 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 I, I think for me, it was like once I realized what, what a podcast was and how accessible it was and just how like, it's like I'm in the middle of cooking dinner and that takes me, could take me like up to an hour to cook something. Um, I'm like with all the meal prep and I'm just sitting here going, oh, wow. In this hour, I could have been listening to a podcast and really edifying myself and getting myself built up. Um, and so I listen to podcasts and I'm really happy to be a part of one, um, especially for our church. Um, each of these podcasts is designed to go along with the sermon series for the month. Um, so for the month of February, um, we're going to be going along with their sermon series. We know that they're talking about relationships and marriage and things like that this month. And, um, you know, being February, we were like, hey, what better topic to cover than to talk about love? It's because yeah. it's the month of love you know nope. we got valentine's day coming up so uh why not talk about it um but i realized i'm like you know what before we can talk about um uh, a, a topic like love we have to properly define what it is mm -hmm. and as christians uh i think that as christians we have a tendency to define things based on simple google search you know <laughs> asking yeah. siri hey siri what is love yeah. um and we try to define things based on like the webster's dictionary but we have we as christians have to realize that our worldview is shaped by the bible and what the bible teaches so the definition of love that we might see in the world um is not the same definition of love that we see in the Bible. And so we want to make sure that anytime we talk about anything, we're going according to what the Bible says, not according to what we feel, not according to what society says. Um, we'll talk about those things, but we have to try to rationalize them with the word of God and, and where that comes into play. So um, so where do we start? Love. Um, I think that's a, a really good question. And I think that um, for most people, um, love is sort of just this um, at least the way that science puts it, love is sort of just a thing that kind of happens in your head, right? Yeah. Um, they've done either studies with like scans and stuff where, you know, we can see love active in the brain and it's these chemicals and they're hitting each other or it's fizzing. The brain is just doing something, right? So love is an emotion that 
um, is really just electric, like electrons or electricity in the just brain. firing yeah. in your head. <laughs> that's what it is. But we as Christians, we don't believe that that's the case. Right. Um, we believe that love has always existed. The Bible tells us that um, God is love mm. and that if you don't know love, then you don't know God. Or if you don't know God, then you don't know love because that's, that's exactly what he is. So um, we can say that love has always existed mm-hmm. and that um, God is who defines love because it's who he is. Mm. Yeah, that's um, that, that brings me to the first verse, the first John four, seven through eight, you know, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. So my ability to love and know God comes from me knowing that love comes from him first. Mm-hmm. It's kind of that concept of um, uh, we, we don't love um, we don't love God. Um, but rather that God for it wasn't that we first loved God, but that God first loved us. Mm-hmm. We don't we don't give, you know, because we are going to give, but rather first gave, God gave to us. So therefore we give. Um, and it says that uh, anybody who does not love doesn't know God because God is love. How can you know? How can you know love and not know God? Right. Like because that's where love comes from. Um, so love as a concept is that it comes from God, it is expressed from God, um, also that he is love in and of himself, it is his character, um, and I think that's the way God would define him himself, you know, as a loving God, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we describe him as most of the time, so. Yeah. Um, let's uh, let's look at that, though, because we have um, Exodus 34, 6 through 7. Um, in this story, you have Moses. Um, he's he's uh, going up to the mountain to get the Ten Commandments. God is speaking to him, and God defines himself pretty clearly. Um, it says this, Exodus 34, 6 and 7. It says, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, right? Slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. So we see here that God, as he describes himself, very accurately so he describes himself as a god that is merciful a god that is gracious a god that is slow to anger one that abounds in steadfast love and who is faithful um, to us Um, and if you keep going in verse 7 it says keep he that he keeps steadfast love for thousands he forgives iniquity transgression sin but who will by no means and i think this is uh, the key here but by no means will he clear the guilty visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children into the third and fourth generation so here we come into kind of where i want to talk because one of the things i find that we find out in the world a lot is that god is often you know we describe god as a loving god but a lot of people in the world don't see that yeah um what what do you feel is like the common uh, thought amongst people in the world about God? Um, I think that for most unbelievers, it, it's very uh, a common thing mm-hmm. when, when we're talking about God's love to come at Christians and bring up Old Testament sort of atrocities, right, that have been committed by God. Um, any type of wiping out of a civilization, Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, um, like fire falling from mm-hmm. the sky, you, you, you the know, flood. you see, yeah, yeah, you see these stories, and they're usually the first ones brought up to kind of object mm-hmm. or go against God's love, loving character, and I think that that's where um, people sort of get 
a mixed idea. It's mm-hmm. like, how can God be so loving, but all these things are happening, right? Like the Canaanites are gone, the flood and all this stuff. Right. So like there's, yeah, I think that commonly people will say, if God is so loving, then why does X and Y happen, you know, yeah. or, um, and so it, it gets, I, I know that as a, a lot of Christians can have like difficulty, um, kind of defending their faith because it's like, man, that's true though. Like if God is so loving, why did he just, why is yeah. he wiping out civilizations? So what is the answer to that? Like how, how do we, how do we justify that when it comes down to it? Um, I would say most importantly, especially when it comes to reading the Bible, any part of the Bible, it doesn't matter whether it's Old Testament, whether it's um, prophecies, poems, or just stories, you need context always, mm. always, always. And that's the most important part about the Bible, because if you try and read it without context, you'll be lost. And yeah. then these, type, these types of questions will pop up. Um, but if you understand context, then you understand why certain things happened. Um, real quick, just off the top of my head, like I brought up the Canaanites. Mm-hmm. Right? A lot of people point to that and say, well, God just wiped out a whole civilization for what? And you see that if you look at historical context, some context that isn't really given in the Bible, but this is just history that you get from outside sources. Um, I forgot the name of the historian, but he was an ancient Greek historian, and he talked about the Canaanites and their rituals. And one of the things that they would do was they would sacrifice their children on a statue to Molech, Mm -hmm. and they would heat the statue up. It was made of metal, and they would put the children on it, and they would basically just cook alive, right? They would burn and sizzle to death. And this is the sacrifice that they gave to their God. This is what was going on Mm. in this society, right? This is what was happening, not only for a little bit, for hundreds of years. Yeah. And in these hundred years, no doubt they had opportunities to stop this, but um, they didn't. So God said, you know what? Enough is enough. You know what I mean? And even in his punishment, he was still merciful to let some still exist. Mm -hmm. Some still existed even after that. Um, and I think that even shows God's mercy where it wasn't even deserved. God's yeah. mercy. Yeah, it's true. It's, it's, we have a tendency, um, I think, to, especially today in 2020, 2021, um, to kind of defend people, um, mm-hmm. to be, um, I'm going to be offended on behalf of another person. I'm going to, I'm going to fight for justice for the, for, for people who have been treated unjustly, which is a great thing. And I'm glad that people do it. But oftentimes we find ourselves, um, on the side of error where we begin to defend people in the Bible who honestly, we, we, when we start to ask them like, bro, like you're, you're, are you really going to defend these people? Like a lot of people would say, man, God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. What a horrible, horrible thing. Um, simply. And, and a lot of people will boil it down to homosexuality. Like God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because it was a city of homosexuals. That's not the case. That's not why he destroyed that city. It wasn't just that there was homosexuality and stuff like that. It was just, it was a sexually immoral and not just sexually immoral, just immoral to the core city. Um, as a matter of fact, Abraham was begging God, don't destroy that place. You know, my, I have family who lives there and God's like, cool. I won't destroy it. And then he's like, well, would you, would you, he's like, he's like, but you have to find me some righteous people. And he's like, okay, well, if I find you 50 righteous people, would you still destroy it? And God's like, no, find me 50 righteous. And then he's like, if I found you 30, right? Like he starts (laughs) to kind of lower the bar and God's like, you're not going to, there's none righteous. And when you look at the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, there's a story there where Lot, uh, two angels came to the house of Lot to tell him, you need to get out of here. And, um, uh, the men of the city saw these two 
angels who were in the appearance of men um and they came to the door saul's door i'm sorry saul not saul lot's door and they're banging on the door asking give us those men so that we can go into them like they're literally asking to rape those angels Mm -hmm. lot being the great man that he is right (laughs) offers his daughters which is immoral to even lot was so immoral oh rape my daughters instead you know, like today in today's society, we're like, yo, castrate people who rape. Like rape is horrible. You know, like men yeah. get vasectomies. You know what I mean? If you can't control yourselves, that's what they're 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 promoting today. And it's like nobody wants rapists, but it says that the oldest men, even down to the youngest men, were trying to rape these angels. And you look at that city. Why would God destroy such a city? Why would God wipe out an entire civilization? I'm like, bro, from the youngest, from the oldest to the youngest, these people are trying to commit heinous acts of raping people. Is that the neighborhood you want to live in? <laughs> like, yeah. like that's a, uh, nobody's trying to live in that neighborhood. Yeah. You, I mean, you, we talk about how go. Oh, how could God treat such a civilization like that? I was like, well, uh, would you live in a neighborhood like that? No, of course not. When you, it's like th- this whole entire neighborhood, every single house is all sexual predators. You're gonna take your family to go live in that neighborhood? No, you're gonna you're gonna move as far away from that neighborhood as possible, because it's it's not okay. It's it's sin and it's immoral, and so. You know, we ha- we can't sit, sit on the side of justifying, you know, people and calling them innocent. God is killing innocent people. I just don't believe that's the case a lot of times. You have to really study the history of these people. And you have to understand that barbaric civilization that they lived in. Um, but even in all that, God is still loving. We see a lot of acts of, of God's anger. We see God being angry. And I think, um, but at the same time, we understand that God is very, um, God is very patient um, but God's not very tolerant that I, I will say that for sure. You know, like we, when we look at God, we don't, God is not a tolerant God because to tolerate, he does not put up with sin, mm-hmm. right? He'll be patient and he'll endure us, but he will not clear the guilty. That's what the scripture says. It says if you are committing sin, you will be judged for that. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm not going to, I'm not going to just sit here and tolerate your sin. Right. So the question I think is, is it possible that God can be angry but still loving? Yeah, um, I I would definitely see um definitely say yes, and I think we even do that, you know. Oh, um, true. Like <laughs> there are many times I've gone angry with any family member, but I've never hated them. You know what I mean? I've never like wished the worst upon them, even right. when they've got me upset. Like I growing up with siblings, you and me both know they get it annoying. Especially being the younger one, mm-hmm. it, gets, it, can, it can get tough in that house when you've got older brothers, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, I, I, I've been annoyed plenty of times, too many times to count, but I've never hated them. I right. still love them with everything, even though they did kind of, you know, take me off. But mm-hmm. that's just how it works. That's what love comes with. It's not going to be this, you know, this nice, pretty thing that has no faults in it. Love is going mm-hmm. to come with a lot of things that's and a lot true. of these emotions. Yeah. And, the you know, it, when it talks about that, it's the Bible says what it says, be angry, but don't sin in your anger. Um, and I think that's the key. It's like it, it, anger is a normal human emotion. When we get angry, it doesn't mean that we don't love somebody. Right. Um, it means that we we are upset with them, but we still love them. And God is perfectly capable of being upset, but also angry. I see that in the story of Noah, where God looks upon the earth and it's only sin. It, 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 I think the way that it phrases it is that the intentions of man's hearts were only evil continually. 
<laughs> you know, like, yeah. wow, what a description <laughs> of the heart of people to say, wow, the, the, their their hearts are, um, you know, they like, I, I think in, later on in scripture says they worship me with their lips, but their hearts, their hearts are far, far from me. And so um, understanding that, that, it, okay, back to Noah, it grieved God in his heart to see man in that, in that position, um, to see that the hearts of man was only evil continually. Um, God God, that grieved God. It it, it grieved him to the core. It's not like God is just, ah, he's getting angry at every possible second. He's hurt. He's very hurt. And of course he's angry, but you see that God doesn't sin in his anger because God cannot sin. God cannot lie. God cannot uh, do those things. So God can express anger, but still be righteous in doing so. And we can somehow model that if we're angry, but not sinning in our anger and processing our anger correctly. The Bible says that the anger of man doesn't produce the righteousness of God. And I like how it says that. It doesn't say anger doesn't produce the righteousness of God. He says what? The anger of man doesn't produce the righteousness That's of good. God. Yeah. So it's it, there's, there's, a, there's a brokenness of humans that anger can actually be expressed in a very bad way. But because God is not a man, he cannot express anger in that way. He can only express anger in a holy, righteous way. And uh, God is very patient, man, right? Um, I think that's what it says in Romans 2, 4. uh, Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Um, That's such a powerful verse. It's telling us, God has been very patient with you and that patience and that 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 kindness that he's given you is not for you to take advantage of, but for you to repent and turn back to him. Um, and uh, Romans 9.22 says, what if God intending to show his wrath and make his power known instead bore with great patience the vessels of his wrath prepared for destruction? Right? Like there are people who... God patiently, I mean, God has been patient with me through a lot of stuff, man. I'm sure you feel the same exact way. Yeah. Um, I can definitely say that it's, it's a patience that we, we don't understand. And yeah. I, and I wanted to bring it up that, um, when, especially when people are angry at God for things that he's done, mm-hmm. it's because, um, we sort of enjoy our own sin. So we are upset that he's upset about it. Mm-hmm. Right. This is the lifestyle that I live. Why are you so mad about it? And we, we um, sometimes fail to see how God views things. And I think that that's where that sort of um, comes in. So seeing God be patient is a patience that we can't understand, because a lot of times when we look at what other people do to us, we are either quick to judge or quick to throw them under the bus. But God sees what we do. And like you said, that God is definitely not a tolerant God. There are things that he doesn't tolerate. So, mm-hmm. but his love for us is what gives him that patience. Yeah. Right. If, if he had no love for us, if there was no kindness in his heart, then you and I wouldn't be here today. Right. He would have gotten rid of everyone a long time ago, but he's patient. Think about how mm-hmm. long humanity has been around for and how patient God has been through all of it, time and time again, generation through generation, constantly failing. Even after Jesus, we continue to fall, um, yeah. but he continues to be patient with yeah. us. And that's a kind of patience that I think we all need to strive for, yeah. that kind of patience, that kind of ability mm-hmm. to look at what people are doing and say, hey, 
You know what I mean? It, it, it's okay. You know, I, I'm angry, but we can get through it. And that's something I need to work on. Yeah. Especially. Yeah. Um, being able to look at the situation and not seeing it for what it is, but understanding that we're all broken. Mm-hmm. We're all fallen. And I can't expect the best out of everybody. Right. And I think God understands that about us. Right. Which I think is great. It's true. And I think that like when it comes to God's tolerance, um, it's kind of like God is very patient and he he overlooks a lot of our stupidity and mistakes. But at the end of the day, will he ultimately tolerate sin? And the answer is no, yes. that he will judge sin. Because yes. um, some people would look at that and say, well, God hasn't done anything to me. He hasn't struck me down. So I guess that, you know, God is pretty tolerant, isn't I haven't he? haven't burned up into flames yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, I mean, th- wait till judgment day. That's that's where God says justice will prevail. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and so when we look at God, we understand that he loves his creation. He loves us. He wants to forgive our sins. And he made a way to do that through Jesus. Um, but what we have to understand is, um, oh, I love the scripture. It said, um, uh, well, I think, it, I think it's in scripture. It says, um, not to take his kindness for weakness, right? Mm-hmm. Don't mistake kindness for weakness. Don't mistake his patience that he doesn't exist or that he's, you know, um, not going to judge you. Like if, if God hasn't done anything about it yet, then why I'm not worried about it. You know, we should, you know, we should be in fear that, that God judges sin. He rightfully does so. Um, and the way that he does that is pretty interesting because um, that's something we have to talk about. It's like, what, how is God a loving God when we see him pouring his wrath out and stuff like that? Um, can a God who is love pour out wrath? What do you think? Um, wow. Um, I think <laughs> that these are great questions. And this, this is what I love of talking about this stuff because it really what it requires of us is to dig deep into his word, these types of questions, right? These aren't just common Christian 101, right? This is requiring you to think back and say, Mm -hmm. hey, um, I need to really understand my my word better because these are questions that are brought up as objections to us. So can a God who is love pour out of his wrath? Yes. And I think that his wrath is a form of his love, as weird as that may sound. Yeah. As like that, that might sound like something that's like, how how does that make sense? Like how do you connect the dots there? And again, it, it comes from understanding God. Why is he pouring out his wrath? That's the question. Mm-hmm. It's not, can a loving God pour out wrath? It's why does a loving God pour out his wrath? Mm. And that's where you come to the real answer. And it's that God desires humanity to um, choose him. God desires humanity to be to live to his standards. And it's not God's fault for any kind of wrath that gets poured out, but that's put on us. Right? Mm. A lot of people want to blame God for the things that happen. Yeah. Not understanding that we've fallen short, mm-hmm. not God. Um, I, it says it in Jeremiah where God is literally asking, um, for what wrong did your fathers find in me that they strayed so far from me? Right. And it's not God asking what it is it what is it that I did wrong? But in the sense, what have I done wrong? Have I not done everything for you? Mm-hmm. Right. That's what he's asking. He's not saying, did I do something wrong? Please tell me. He's saying, no. Yeah. Please tell me what I've done wrong. Because last time I checked, all I've ever done for you was good. So the fault is on us and God is literally trying to make us look at ourselves and see what is it that he did wrong? Mm -hmm. What, what, what did we do to cause this? And, um, I think that instead of looking at God for wrath, we look at ourselves first. Right. And then we understand, oh, wow, that's completely justified. Right. 
Yeah, yeah. Like we understand that there's a there's a law, and if we break the law, there's punishments for those mm-hmm. laws. And I know we're going to talk about that maybe a little bit later. Um, but I think another thing too that I that I wanted to dive into is is how God pours out His wrath. And I think that that's it's exactly what you were just saying. That a lot of that's on us. Um, and the way that God displays his wrath, both Old Testament and New, it's actually found in the book of Romans where it says that God handed them over to a debased mind um, and handed them over to their immoralities. The way that God pours his wrath out from Old Testament to New is that he lets us have what we want. And mm-hmm. honestly, that's the most gracious way to pour out your wrath, right? Like instead of me, instead of you saying, uh, God, I don't like the way you designed this. I'm going to go the opposite direction. God could be like, huh, psych, what? And just kill you. But oh. instead he goes, is that what you really want? Have it. And when you reap the consequences. I think that um, there was a time when we were doing our Bible studies and we were reading through Psalms and we were reading how like, oh, yeah. I forgot exactly what it said, but God holds his hand back. Right, oh, you remember that's that? Right. Oh man, I wish I remembered. I what wish that I remember like the, the exact phrasing because it kept repeating it. Yeah. That every single time that man had done something wrong, God is literally holding his hand back. Yeah, that because his he hand doesn't was want, raised. It was raised, but not. But not. He didn't strike with it or he, something he like back, that. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, he was ready to like slap somebody, but he kept his hand held. Yeah. And it's sort of like God is. Um. That that's how it is. That's how his patience is. God mm-hmm. wants to bring that wrath and judgment but instead of harming us mm-hmm. god just says you know what if you're gonna do it just yeah i can't I, I won't stop you from doing it yeah the the they call it the hardening of the heart and um you know there's there's debate amongst a lot of christians it's like does god harden hearts or does do we harden yeah, our we, own we hearts? were talking about that yeah. and we had a good conversation about that and yeah. it's actually really interesting because pharaoh um, whenever Pharaoh was wouldn't release um, the the Israelites, the Hebrew people, um, uh, Moses telling them, "Let my people go," you know, and Pharaoh would say no. For the first like five plagues, it's at the end of each of them, it says that Pharaoh hardened his heart towards God. Then after the first five plagues, the next five plagues, it says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And I started to ask questions about that, like, what is it? How does God harden our hearts? Like and and if God hardens hearts, why does He have find fault in people? That's, I think it says that in Romans. It's like, it's like, oh, by the way, I'm gonna harden your heart so that you don't love me, and then I'm gonna judge you for not loving me. Like, how does that even work? God, that doesn't make any. You hardened my heart. I want to love you, but I can't because you hardened my heart, and then you're gonna judge me for having a hardened heart. Um, but there's a lot of references when it comes to the heart and clay. And there's, and we talked about it, how clay, when you leave it out, um, as long as you're molding it and playing with it, Play-Doh is always, Play-Doh for kids, but real like modeling clay, it's really hard at first, but as you begin to press into it and mold it, it begins to soften and become moldable into whatever you want to make it. But when the, when the sculptor stops molding the clay, stops touching the clay, what happens it begins to harden again to the point where it's like, oh my gosh, this used to be a soft ball of clay and now it's a rock hard brick, you know? And e- uh, even a step further, it- you ever taken a pottery class? Um, No, but I have have been in like art classes where we've worked with clay. And, and you've all worked that. with clay. Yes. What's the, do you know the final process for finishing off 
a a like a bowl or something no idea you throw it in an oven of fire oh for the final hardening Wow, that's, <laughs> right? wow, that's actually so, pretty crazy. So, so part of me goes, yo, I, I think that God used clay as an analogy and an illustration, even even though it's not a perfect one, but it's like, wow, um, it, it, God doesn't have to harden your heart. He just has to let you do what you want and your heart will harden on its own. And I think that's the way that God allows hearts to be hardened is as long as I'm molding you, you can still be shaped and I can still work on you. But when you don't want to be worked on and you want to be left alone, I'll leave you alone. I'll give you exactly what you want. I don't understand why people have an issue with God sending people to hell. Like people have a huge issue with that. They're like, why would a loving God send people to hell? And 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 I thought about that for quite some time. I said, well, the reality is, isn't that what you wanted? Mm-hmm. What is hell? Because everybody looks at hell and they go, oh, lake of fire, fire, the devil, red skin, horns, pitchfork, pokey pokey with the little trident, <laughs> right? Like yeah. that's, that's what we think of when we think of the devil. But God is saying, no, hell is a place where I'm not. I am, I am unapproachable light. Hell is complete darkness. You do not want me in your life. And so when you end up in a place where I am not... Why, why would you be upset with that? I gave you exactly what you wanted. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's the, that, that's the most concerning part about hell. We don't hear too much about it. Jesus speaks about it a lot. And that's where people get its lake of fire. It's gnashing of teeth. It's cold and desolate. We don't really know what it's like. Right. Yeah. But the problem with hell is not that they're suffering. It is not that it's on fire. Right. That's not the yeah. problem. The problem is God isn't there. Mm. His presence is nowhere to be found there. Jeez. That's what makes hell hell. It's not the fire. It's not Satan poking you with the pitchfork, like you said. It's not that. That's not mm-hmm. what makes it bad. It's the fact that God's presence is nowhere to be found. Wow. And that's the tough part about it. And I think that that's what people aren't understanding. It's that you don't want God here, so God won't force you into a relationship with him after either. Yeah. Right? You don't want him in your temporary life, then God won't be with you in eternity. He's gracious in that mm-hmm. way. He's saying, you don't want to be with me here, then why would you want to be with me after? Right. I'll just, if you don't want to be with me, I'll send you somewhere mm-hmm. where I am not. And you know what's crazy about that? You start to see that some of the, the you know, the omnis? Omnis? The omnipresent, oh, oh God, yeah, omniscient, omni. yes, right? Like yes, he's, yes, yes. he's all places. He's all knowing. Isn't it funny how hell is a place where he's not, but he's omnipresent? Isn't it funny that God knows all things, but to the people who are going to end up in hell, he says, who are you again? Matthew, uh, what was that? Matthew 7, Matthew 23. I forget which word it is. But there's a yeah, scripture where it says about, yeah. that people will come to him on the day. Lord, Lord, I did this in your name. And he's going to say, um, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I do not know you. God, I thought you knew all things. I know all things, but I don't know you. Right? And And I am in all places, but you will not feel my presence. I'm like, wow. To be to be in a place where God isn't is is devastating. Yeah. And I think that that pours into us and our love for why we love to witness to people, because I don't want people to be there. You know what I mean? Why? Why? Why would you get mad at me for wanting to tell you about Jesus, knowing that that's the final end product? I'm, I'm trying to get you away from a light, an eternity of of, of being apart from God. And the great thing about having a life with God is that it doesn't just kick in in the, the, in the afterlife. It starts now. 
Jesus said, this is eternal life that you know God, the one true God and the son whom he has sent. Eternal life can start right now if you know Jesus. Um, but God pours out his wrath on people by letting them have what they want. And then when they reap the consequences of their bad, their poor decisions, it happened with Israel, right? We don't want to do this. Okay, do what you want. Start worshiping this false god and what would happen? A big army would come in, take them, make them slaves, and then they would repent and say, God, this is horrible. I wish we were still with you. Okay, I'll save you. I'll send a judge. I'll send a Moses. I'll send a person to set you free. Then what happens? I set you free just so you could build a golden calf in the desert. Like it, it, yeah. it's just a, a repeated cycle. And we like to look at the Israelites and we like to say, wow, that was so stupid. How could they do that? We do it every single day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> every single day we're worshiping golden calves, especially in America. Yeah. Um, and and God, God gives us over to those things. He gives us over to our idols. He gives us over to our addictions. He hands us over and says, if that's what you want, then that's what you get. And, um, you know, I think that's the worst wrath that we see. Forget about fireballs falling from the sky. Forget about global floods. The worst thing is to allow a nation to have everything that it wants and be completely satisfied in and of itself and not find that satisfaction in God. Yeah. Um, I think we're good, man. Um, I know there's some other questions probably that come up, like if God is so loving, why, you know, why do we suffer? I think that a lot of suffering just comes from, uh, a, a lot of suffering comes from bad decisions, um, both ours and other people's who affect us. You know what I mean? Because there are times where you'll suffer for the bad decision another person made. You know what I mean? I, I know that happened. It used to happen to me in school all the time. This is a stupid example, but you ever been, you ever got your recess taken away because like two kids were being bad, mm -hmm. but then they like basically took away recess from the whole class. You're like, that's not just, that's not fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and understanding like that concept was like very tough for me as a kid. Like, I don't understand how I'm going to get in trouble for what they did. Um, but, but yeah, we suffer through a lot of things and suffer, nobody's immune. We're not immune from suffering. It's going to happen. Um, but it's just knowing that God's saying, you're not going to be immune to suffering, but I'm going to help you get through your suffering. Yeah. And at the end of it, you're going to become a better person through it. Um, I don't know if you want to add anything to the end of that. Um, no, man, I think, I think you touched it very well. I think that, you know, suffering will always have a purpose and God is not, uh, a mean God by yeah, far yeah. he's not um, by any standard of looking at him there's nothing wrong that you can find in him he is that standard mm -hmm. right so you can't judge him outside of himself right Um. so I, I just think that in, in suffering we learn a lot of things and in suffering we build character and it's yeah. crazy like how we were talking about hell and all these things and all these other forms of punishment Yeah. it's literally showing God's grace giving right. you what you want Right. This is um, God's mm -hmm. not going to force you into anything. So um, I think that um, when it comes to suffering, we either indulge in that suffering yeah. and we just say, OK, fine. Then I turn the suffering into enjoyment. Right. Mm -hmm. um, understanding that when we as Christians suffer, we suffer because we're in sin. We're yeah. suffering because we're battling yeah. with flesh. But for some people, they're not suffering because they're indulging the flesh. They're saying, hey, I love this. You know what? This isn't bad for me, but for us, it's yeah. every single time we fall, we're suffering. So um, just to fight against the flesh, grow in character, I think that's yeah. the main point of it for us. I agree. And I think that, that suffering is so... 
it's so complex too because then there's times where you're not doing anything wrong but because of the actions of another person i am now so i am in suffering because of something that somebody did to me yeah. i suffer with this you know when i think about people who have been the victim of rape and stuff like that it wasn't god's purpose for that to happen you know what i mean it's like how do you explain that how do you explain oh there's a loving god out there but you know i you know there's guys going around raping women and getting away with it. You know what I mean? How is there a loving God in all of that? And it's tough because it's like that man made a very poor decision that affected another person's life. That is not God's design. God doesn't have God doesn't have a, a purpose, but I think God can work can use it to better a person. You know what I mean? Like he didn't author it. He didn't make it happen to you. He's he's appalled that it happened and the person who did that um, that heinous crime will pay if they don't pay in this life, they will in the life to come for sure. Um, and the idea is like, you didn't do anything wrong. You didn't sin. And that's why this happened to you. Um, this happened to you because somebody made a bad choice and a bad decision. And, but God promises, I'm not going to abandon you in that. I know that you're suffering and I know that you're going through a lot, but I'm going to help you get through this and I'm going to help build you. And the suffering that you're enduring right now is going to help a lot of people who have maybe been victim to that. Um, you know, I'm, I, I can take this and I can flip it around. You know what I mean? I can turn this all around for you. Um, but suffer, there's no one size fits all for suffering. You know what I mean? Um, so at the end of the day, we have to just understand that suffering is going to happen. There's not a complete answer for it. Um, but we do know that we have a loving God who says, hey, I'm going to be there through that suffering. I'm going to help you get through this and I'm going to make you a great person in spite of it. Um, and I think God's just good like that, man. He's a loving, loving God, even though we suffer. Um, but yeah, man, that's good. Thanks for joining us for this episode of VCast. If you really liked what you heard, um, share it with a friend. Um, if you are watching this on YouTube, don't forget to like this video. Don't forget to follow us, uh, subscribe to us. Make sure that you guys are following us on social media, Facebook and uh, Instagram. Uh, you can find us at TriViva Church. Um, look up Viva Church online and you'll be able to see all of our social media accounts. And uh, just give us a follow and like some of our stuff, man. We really appreciate that. Um, if you could just take a few seconds to do that, it, it helps us out greatly with the channel, helps us to uh, continue to reach more people. Um, so please, please help us out by just clicking those like buttons and, and turning on notifications and uh, sharing this with your friends. We appreciate you guys so much. Thanks for listening. And uh, as always, if you guys need anything, you can contact us through social media if you have any questions um, or if you have any uh, suggestions or things you want to hear from our podcast, just let us know and we'll go. Uh, we'll definitely get back to you and uh, see how we can incorporate that. Love you guys. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. God bless you.